Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Colin. Colin is a registered nurse from Dorchester, Massachusetts. Please welcome Colin. Good morning, Colin. How are you doing? Hey, Dave. I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. We're happy to have you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. So why don't you start off by telling us your name, your preferred pronouns, and a little bit about yourself. All right. My name is Colin. uh, Colin B., as people know me in the halls of AA, um, uh, I go, uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, um, I'm originally from New Hampshire. I've lived in Boston since 2014, um, mostly in Dorchester. Um, I am a registered nurse and my sobriety date is June 12th, 2021. So, um, why don't you take us through your sobriety journey? Start us off at the very beginning when you first started drinking and using and just take us all the way through up till today. I definitely like now that I have the clarity that I've been able, that I've been fortunate enough to get in my in sobriety, I, I I definitely am able to kind of reflect upon my whole life. Like even before I was drinking and using, I had all the isms, you know, I, I, I was uncomfortable with myself. I hated being in my own skin. I always looked for that kind of escape in, you know, whatever it was in, in, you know, at, at a young age, it was, I don't know, imagination or pretending I was someone else or somewhere else. And, you know, maybe that had to do with my sexuality too, probably, you know, <laughs> I, I think, but I think a lot of those things go hand in hand for me, especially, I think the two, there's a lot of feelings there that are very, you know, tied, tied together, closely knit. Um, but I started drinking probably, I don't remember my first drink. It wasn't like this monumental experience. You know, I, I, I am an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I hear that a lot in meetings. People remember their first drink and how exactly what it was and what they were doing and how it made them feel. But that's not my experience. You know, I just remember like the time frame I was you know, probably seventh or eighth grade, probably at like a sleepover or something like from my parents' liquor cabinet and, you know, whatever it was, you know, just, I think the whole act of it, like sneaking and passing it around or whatever was just like, the whole thing was just like enough to kind of make me feel excited. And, and, um, you know, I, I remember, like I said, I remember feeling like all these different things like around that time in my life like attracted to my guy friends and not really sure what to do about it knowing it was wrong or feeling it was wrong and you know and then I went I from a really small town in New Hampshire like really small and then I ended up going um to high school in Keene which is like a pretty large high school um where all these small towns kind of come together and and you know I I met a lot of new people and, um, but I still had like the same core group of friends 
And, you know, we would drink in the woods. We would drink at par house parties on the weekends. And um, I just, I remember there being times where I like, didn't, I like, I don't like the taste of that, or I'm not going to drink tonight. Or, I remember that. Like, I remember like not really wanting to participate, but still loved being a part of like the chaos. And then, you know, there was a couple of years in high school where my mother's mom was very sick and she went to like live with her and take care of her for a couple of years. My dad had a very, my dad was, you know, had a very busy work life. So there was a period of time where I was left alone mm -hmm. with a driver's license and a car and I was smoking weed all the time. Like I don't consider drugs like a part of my story. Like I never really got into anything other than smoking marijuana, but there were like these few years in high school where I was just like definitely a stoner, like multiple times a day, like using it as a escape from reality, like based my friend group off of like weed and, you know, smoking and stuff like that. But I remember at the end of high school, I was just like totally able just to like stop and yeah. having like this moment of realization where I was like, what am I doing? Like, just smoking all the time I'm just like this lazy slug like mm -hmm. but I remember like it like it had affected like my friend group and like my social circle and all like the stuff but I was still able to just be like no nah, I'm done with that and I put it down like for a while and I would do it here and there in college but nothing to like the extent of like what I was doing it before or like it was just a totally different experience than like how my drinking you know kind of escalated and how I got to this point like via alcohol yeah. But um, in college, like, I didn't think I was drinking differently. I didn't, you know, I went to, I went to University of New Hampshire, a big, you know, state school where there's like a lot of partying. And I didn't think my drinking was different than anybody else's. Yeah. Um, looking back at it now, I was the only one in like a lecture hall with a Nalgene of Captains and Coke. Like I was the only, like, I was the <laughs> only one, like, uh, skipping class so I could get drunk in my dorm room. You know, I, I was the one that like made these connections with the older, like upperclassmen to like buy me booze and like supply my friends. Like I didn't think I was doing anything differently than anybody else was, but now I'm able to look back at that and be like, yeah, like there, like you were drinking differently than everybody else was. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, it, it can, you know, it continued. I, I had some relationships and that were, traumatic um you know uh suffered like verbal and physical abuse and and was cheated on and and you know me years ago would totally blame those people for like my drinking and like i'm i'm so fucked up because of how you treated me and how how you know what you did to me and and i would just use it as an excuse to drink mm -hmm. um it definitely, and these were all like gay relationships. I came out when I was 18, my freshman year of college. I came out to like my friends in high school, like the summer after senior year of high school, going into college. And then I kind of went into college as openly gay. Um, and then I told my parents and it was a very, it was a very positive experience. I'm very fortunate to come from like a family that has been like very supportive in my sexuality and in my alcoholism. Um, I've, I've received a lot of support and I, I know that's not always the case. And I, I just, I'm, I'm very fortunate and grateful for that.
but yeah, this, I like my drinking just like took off and, and it, 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 I was still able to get through college. I got through college. I got the degree, whatever. I, um, I graduated with like a, a, a science degree that like you couldn't really do anything with. And I was like, I want to move to Boston. I'm going to go to nursing school. Um, and, you know, I did that, but like I moved here and I lived with a friend I grew up with and we just like, our drinking was just like out of control. And I worked in healthcare and I met a guy and we dated and it was another not great relationship. Um, And there was just a lot of, a lot of drinking for a number of years and using people, places and things and situations as reasons to like fuel my drinking. And um, I remember by the age of 25, I went through alcohol withdrawals for the first time. I had had hangovers before. Like I was always, my friends always used to say, they're like, oh, like you can just wake up after like a night of drinking and and you're just like fine and you have all this energy and stuff like that. And like, I remember like after a 4th of July bender feeling my body was just in shock. I was like, what is going on? I Why am I shaking? And it just like prolonged. I wasn't, you know, I couldn't sleep. I just like felt so sick, mm-hmm. you know? And calling doctors, getting appointments with like therapists and getting on meds and whatever. And then, you know, they started to plant seeds that were like, you're not going to be able to do anything if you can't stop drinking. You're like, here's a list of meetings. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll take the diagnoses of like anxiety and PTSD and depression. And those are my problems, right? Those are like what I'm going to use. I feel like I like identified myself with those things for a while, you know, Um, like that's who I am. That's who I was, but I wasn't ready to look at my drinking yet, you know, but during that time of like withdrawal and like feeling sick, like I, I, I found that the fastest way to feel better was to drink more. Mm -hmm. Yep. And just like a lot of people, I, I look for that instant gratification. I look for the immediate fix. And when I woke up feeling shitty and feeling sick, the first thing I turned to was another drink. Mm-hmm. And it just became this like really cyclical hell I was living in. And I had quickly lost the ability to choose when I was going to pick up a drink. Mm-hmm. And it became a necessity. It became something I needed to get through the day. Yeah the week and and it turned into this you know you can only your body can only like take substances for so long before it's like or at least mine before it was like I couldn't take it anymore and it would lead into just just like not 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 a great time for a few days and it it you know became to it affected my life and in such like this monumentous way that I just hadn't expected. I just like, it was just like one of those things was just like, how the hell did I end up here? Yeah. you know, I had gotten through school. I had two degrees. I was working as a nurse. I, but you know, it started to affect my job. Um, you know, I, I know this isn't like a AA podcast, but like the first step in AA was admitting that we were powerless over alcohol and my life became unmanageable, which, you know, I wasn't ready to admit my powerlessness over alcohol, but I, my life was so unmanageable, like the chaos instilled, like 
I was missing work. I was calling in sick. I was going in sick to work. People were talking about me. Um, and it was just humiliating. It was embarrassing. I started to lose friends really, really fast. Um, and I just became alone. COVID hit. And, you know, I know I would have still ended up here regardless of the pandemic, but I think it just kind of escalated and progressed things, you know, a lot faster, which in a way I'm, I'm grateful for. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, every time like I had felt like sick and hopeless and, you know, I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the last time I'm going to feel like this. Yeah. And it, it, it never was, you know, I had no sort of solution. I had no idea what to do. You know, I, I would wake up sick in the morning, tell myself I wasn't going to drink. And then by like the evening or whatever, I'd be leaving a liquor store with a bottle or two of, you know, it was usually whiskey, but at the end it was vodka. But I had just like putting myself in danger. I was putting like other people in danger, driving drunk all the time. I'm at work, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for other people. You know, it just was not just wasn't safe and it was very selfish um and finally like i had this one summer uh summer of july of 2020 i was supposed to because it was during kind of like the height of the first wave of the pandemic I think and yeah my parents were in Rhode Island and they were like come down like get, like come with that like come down here and I was like I remember I was coming off a bender and I felt sick and I was like no like I can't be around them and so I decided to go home to New Hampshire where there was nobody there and I once again I felt sick I didn't I was like to the point I was at the point where I had been before where I like didn't feel like drinking because I was so sick and I like, don't think my body could have handled it. And I met with one of my friends who I've known. She's my oldest, like we've known each other since we were three, like love her to death. And she was sober for a couple of years at that point. And I had another friend too, that I grew up with who had also like had a, a long amount of sobriety too. And, I remember talking to them. I went for a walk with one of them and she was like, have you thought about like, stop, stopping drinking? And I was like, yeah, of course, but like, whatever. And then I start like, I got home to my parents' house. It's just, I was alone there. It was, you know, middle of the woods. And I started to see and hear things that like weren't there. And I remember I, I got on the phone with my other friend who was sober and I called her and I was like, I'm so fucking scared. It was like, whatever. We talked to her for a while. And then she like, she was like, I have to go. And I called like an AA hotline mm -hmm. and I talked to this woman and I, I, I wish I remembered her name because I was so great. I'm so grateful for her. I talked to this woman. She was like out in like Portland or some like Seattle or Washington, whatever. And she was like, why are you calling this? Like, I'm way on the West Coast. And I was like, I just, I don't know. Like, this was like the first number I got it, like a live person to talk to. And this is what's going on. And I feel like I'm going to die. And all this scary shit is happening to me. And I remember her being so like happy. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, 
she was like <laughs> cracking jokes and stuff and she was sober and alcoholic and and she was like listen like if you feel like something bad is gonna happen like you're gonna have a seizure or something like that drink until you can like get somewhere safely or something which like i've heard before like you know like if you know i i, I don't recommend i didn't do it actually I ended up like bringing myself to the local hospital, to the ER and I like felt safe there. And I like, I'd been to the ER before with like panic attacks when it was just like alcohol withdrawal, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and yeah. you know, and I, it wasn't my first like go around at this point. And, and they kind of like talked to me, made some suggestions, sent me home with like a uh, uh, prescription. And I didn't drink for like, I think 10 or 11 days because I was on medication that I knew was dangerous to drink on. Yeah. And, um, but I started drinking again after that. But that, that night where I like seeing and hearing things and talking to my friends the next day, like they gave me numbers of men in, in Alcoholics Anonymous and that's like that period of like after that trip to the ER is when I got plugged in with men from AA. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea who these people were. I started drinking again. But they started to like talk to me daily. They started to send me things that I had no idea what they were talking about. Um and I was still kind of living under this facade that like, this is all just like anxiety and depression. And, you know, I wasn't ready to admit that like I had a problem with alcohol, but even though like I got connected with these men in AA and they were like sending me zoom links to meetings and I would go, I was still drinking in the background. Like I had, I like, I, I, it was so easy to like hide drinking on zoom, right? Like I could just like have whatever off camera, turn my camera off, whatever. And I thought I, I was like, and I did that for a year. I had a sponsor. We didn't, we, we didn't start working the steps. He didn't think I was ready. And you know, he was rightful, right. Right. Um, and I was hearing exactly what I thought I needed to hear. I kept hearing people say in meetings like, oh, I drank for my first year or two years or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is like, I'm right on the money, right on target. Like, this is like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I still was having like those times where I like would drink to the point where I was so sick and I would miss work and whatever. But like, I started to tell people I was sober. So to like kind of get them off my back and kind of like get, and now that I was going to AA, but I was, you know, still drinking. And so if I were to like feel sick or miss work or not seem right, it couldn't be the alcohol. You know, it yeah. was just like this, it was just like this, these manipulation tactics to like get people off my back and, and, you know, try and like pretend that everything was okay. And it was just like, it was so horrible. It was so much work to hide my active alcoholism, physically hiding the bottles, hiding the fact that I was sick and miserable all the time. Like, you know, lying to my parents and my friends and my roommate, like being like, are you okay? Something's not right. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Being like totally fucking blacked out. Like, yeah. and I, you know, it, it led up Memorial day weekend of 2021 you know, something happened at work with 
a patient that was like pretty traumatic. And like I said, I, I was using like, I don't know, I guess I was just like manipulating people and, and getting sympathy and something traumatic happened at work. And I used that to my advantage. I was like, this is absolutely perfect. I will use that as a reason to relapse. Thank you for tuning into the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talking. Tell me something you're talking. It me on my head with your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily drama. Fill me in on family traumas. Tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short. We're playing so fast. To not say anything at all. It's wasted breath. You don't get back. So make it anything but small. Small talking.